Good morning and welcome. Really thankful for your presence here today, whether you're here in person or you're joining us live online. We're really thankful that you've chosen to be with us. If you're online, I really want to encourage you to go on and get your elements for the Lord's Supper, which we'll partake of later in the service, but have your cup and your bread ready. Uh, we want you to participate with us this morning in every way, and that particularly. If you're new with us, particularly online, if you're new with us, we want to direct you to our website, www.ljchurch.org. You'll find a number of resources there and updates, much more so than we can do verbally here and now. Uh, particularly on the front page, there is a link to our Facebook page, and want to encourage you all, everyone, to be involved with us on Facebook and Please click that link and leave a, leave a message for us there. Also, at the website, you can find your caring and sharing. If you're here in person, I hope you were handed one as you came in and that you'll take advantage of that. By the way, not during church that you take that home with you and then you read it and those kinds of things. Of course, if you want to start reading it when Randy gets up at the end of the service, that's your call. But um, nonetheless, we encourage you to pick up a caring and sharing. want to let everyone know that as we will change our tradition of the Lord's Supper being passed by plates, uh, which we've been consistent with for as long as the quarantine's been going on. Uh, also, we will not be doing our giving by passing of plates. Instead, we have a well-marked box in the back right in the center of the Welcome Center that has giving back to God there, and you can place uh, your checks in there, or if you have cash, we'd appreciate it if you'd take one of the little envelopes and put the Put your cash in the envelope and then, and then put it in. And there's also our kids' gift bucket there. And I, I see just, I, I don't see everybody, but I see a couple of kids every week put a little bit of, in the kids' gift bucket. So thank you very much for keeping up with that. And we appreciate uh, everyone, those of you also who are joining us online, who are giving digitally or sending in your checks. We appreciate that very, very much. If you are connected with our youth group, I want to be sure and emphasize that we have our youth fall fel uh, retreat coming up. Uh, the date's 13th through the 15th. More details are available in the caring and sharing. Uh, particularly want to mention that the deadline for signing up is next Sunday. So uh, please, parents, have that conversation with your kids. Kids, nudge your parents and uh, let's get signed up for that. Good things going on. And church. Let us join together in prayer because we want that time to be a very special blessing. My guess is if you grew up in a church with a youth group, you remember retreats and you remember what a blessing that they were. Lisa Chapa, what a joy to have you here today. Thanks for coming. Sorry, I just had to stop and see that. Uh, we are going to, and, and make no mistakes, this will be very different from the way we've done it in the past, but we're still calling it our trunk or treat. We're still inviting our neighbors to come and be here with us. Uh, we will be doing some things to make it a distanced and safe, um, uh, kind of a no-contact process. If you've been through a drive through uh, restaurant or if you've done curbside, you kind of know how they sort of bag it up and hand it to you. And we'll be doing some of those things. But we would still like, if you're willing, to decorate your trunk or pickup bed or the back end of your minivan, if you're willing to wear a mask, if you're willing to glove up, I realize that's a lot to ask of you, but uh, we would appreciate you signing up at the Welcome Center desk. There's a list there. We appreciate you signing up so we'll know how many to anticipate. That way, when we make up the bags of candy, we know how far that needs to be distributed. Uh, again, 
just something that uh, we're, not, we're not here celebrating death and ghouls and goblins. What we're doing is having an opportunity to, to have our neighborhood come to us and have a positive interaction with them. So whether you can do a trunk or whether you could come and help us pack up bags of candy uh, on Friday the 30th or whether you would be willing just to be somebody who brings a couple of big bags of candy to help us distribute or maybe you just say, I'm going to pray that it goes well. We would appreciate your involvement in any of those ways. As we begin our time of worship together, would you please stand together and, and recite with me from Psalm 111. We shall assemble at the mountain, we shall assemble at the throne, with humble hearts into his presence, we bring an offering of song, glory and honor and dominion, unto the Lamb, unto the King. time was, was dismissed for stage two and praise kids. Give them a chance to head on out to their classes. Let's pray. Our Father God, I want to thank you for another great day you've blessed us with. We are so thankful for the cooler weather and the, as the seasons change, as we see uh, the leaves starting to fall and uh, change colors, uh, as, as things go around us um, that are, are getting a little more different, we know, Father, and we lean in on you remaining the same forever. And we are so thankful for, for the change and yet you remain the same. You promised to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we are so thankful for that. You're unchanging, and we, we're just so thankful. 
Father God, we, we want to lift up those in our prayer list, uh, those who are dealing with some health difficulties right now. Uh, Father, you know who they are, and we lift them up to you, and we ask that you you live up to, as you promised to be, the great physician. We thank you for putting your healing hand on them, and we just ask that you bring comfort and peace to them. Father, for uh, those who are struggling with health, for those who are struggling financially, for the uh, people who just need peace in their life, we bring them all before you. Father, we want to ask that you be with our families, whether, wherever they may be. Uh, we ask that you watch over our parents, our siblings, our children, and even our grandchildren. And Father, we just ask that you bless them wherever they may be. Father, we celebrate and we thank you for um, the, the good news of Chelsea and the, the little girl that we're expecting. And we, we just want to thank you for that great news. Father, I want to bring before you the elders and the decisions they have to make for this congregation. I want to bring before you our deacons and ministry leaders as they do the works of this congregation. We want to lift up this church as a whole for all the things that, that this church gets to do in this community as we try to shine your light around this place. Father, I, I lift up this country to you. I ask for your blessing to be poured out on its leadership, especially during this time of um, voting and uh, elections. Father, whoever ends up in, in the seat, we just ask that you go before them, help them make the wise decisions for this country. Father, we bring before you our military. We bring before you our students, whether they're uh, super young or in college. Um, Lord, we bring before you each one of them. Be with Alan as he speaks this morning. I ask that you speak through him and let us hear your words. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all the effort that Alan puts into his messages uh, so that we can be uh, better people as a result. Lord, we do love you, and we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice he gave on that cross. We thank you for the gift of this church, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but And like a flood, his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. 
Scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. No one is a stranger here. 
of bread. The Lord who pours the cup is risen from the dead. The one we love the most is now our precious host. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. We are now a family of which the Lord is head. The one seen, he meets us here in the breaking of the bread. We'll gather soon where angels sing. We'll see the glory of our Lord and coming King. Now we anticipate the feast for which we wait. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the You may or may not have seen it, but it's uh, one of my favorite movies. It's called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Do I have anybody? I can tell the ones who've seen it because they're chuckling already. It's one of those really, really funny movies. By the way, my saying its name does not make it pure as the driven snow. I just want to be sure that you don't assume that. But it has these wonderful scenes. It's about two families from two very different cultures. And yes, one of them's Greek and one of them's very, uh, let's just say, Northeastern American kind of thing like that. Uh, and, and they have very different ideas about what family's about. You have these two scenes, one where he will take her, she's the Greek one, she, he will take her home for a family dinner. And it's his mother and his father and she and he sitting around a table, very quiet, very little conversation going on. A little bit of, you know, chatter, just start a conversation. Only one person talks at a time. And for many people, everybody sees that and says, that's just such a beautiful picture of family. And then you know what happens. She takes not only him, but his mother and father to meet her family, which extends to every single aunt, uncle, and cousin for about five generations on every side. You don't wait to get inside the house to be welcomed because there is a, a lamb out on a live fire spit in the front yard. And as soon as they drive up and get out of the door, probably 40 people come running down the, 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 the front yard, the lawn, to the street to greet them. To say that it's overwhelming is uh, an extreme understatement. The only thing I don't really like about the movie as far as the illustration for today's sermon is the idea that when we come to the wedding, it's all Greek. And by the way, it's more fun because it's all Greek, right? Somebody say amen. But it, it doesn't let the other family, the other entity, have much room to be part of what's going on. And when we come to the unity that is found in the great diversity that is the church, it is not that we want everyone to be uniform. We don't want to make everybody like some 
one particular pattern. Instead, we want to appreciate where everybody comes from. We want to have times in our, in our worship services where we're quiet and meditative. And we also want to have times in our worship service where we celebrate and it's loud and it's noisy. And maybe even there's more than one person talking at the same time because children are having a conversation with parents and adults are having conversations across pews. Now, don't hear me say that we're supposed to sort of violate Paul's idea of everything decently and in order. Because if there's anything that we've probably, I, I don't know if you know this idea or not, but mountain climbers are tied together with a rope. And if you are walking down a ridge and somebody falls off one side of the ridge, guess what your job is to do? To jump off the other side. To keep them from tumbling. Because you're not going to be able to hold two or three guys falling on that side. But if you jump off the other side of the cliff, you can both climb back to the top and maybe we all live. Who knows? You're mountain climbing. You, you don't have any guarantees at that point. If there is any way in which we as a church have decided to jump on the other side of the cliff to make sure that nothing like that boisterousness ever happens, we have taken that scripture and run with it and jumped off the other side of the cliff. Somebody say amen to me. To be a little boisterous when I ask for an amen, when I'm making a point about how quiet and sedate we are, needs, means that you need to give me a big amen. I'll take your laughter as the best amen that I'm going to get today. Our fellowship as a church doesn't look a whole lot like the first century church. We are here, not in a big formal cathedral, but instead we're here in what's considered a very casual kind of setting. But it is very comfortable. And it is still very much like an audience participating in an in a, a event. The first century church was also not at all like these big, huge cathedrals that we see Europe, some places in America, um, some places in, in other parts of the world. But largely, that's not what the first century would have been about. There wasn't anybody who had money for that, number one. Number two... They didn't see church, and I'm going to use that word again, church that is the fellowship in that way. Nor, by the way, on the other hand, was it some sort of, now there were times of persecution, but it wasn't always this little small tiny group of people sitting around one table in the dark making sure that no neighbors heard what they were doing for fear of the authorities coming to get them. That was not the picture either, typically, although we know that there were times when the church was persecuted. Instead, the church was about a group of people that met at a home. Hopefully, you had someone in your community that was wealthy enough to have a home large enough to be sort of an, a, a Hellenistic or, or Roman villa that had multiple rooms and courtyards and those kinds of things. That seems to be what the archaeology points to is that they would meet in these homes and enjoy fellowship together and it was always we have first and second century testimony from people who wrote about what happened about the way it was centered around a meal as opposed to trying to to put together my own I found in Scott McKnight's book a fellowship of difference a place where he kind of takes all of the the human elements, the anthropology, the archaeology, and the biblical evidence and brings them together into the story. 
It'll take me three or four minutes to read this, but I hope that it engages you in thinking about what that first church was like. Imagine going to church in the first century. If you were in a major Roman city, such as Rome or Ephesus or Pompeii, you'd leave your home and walk in your leather sandals or maybe barefoot through the city on paved roads. But the pavers in your city are large stone blocks, not as smooth or as square as the ones we find in our driveways or walkways today. And it is hard not to stumble and stub your toe or trip. You enter a house where everyone gathers and you immediately encounter some church kids playing hide and seek. That would never happen in our settings, I know. Someone's slave passes you, a, passes you with a spit of some already roasted meat dangling on the end. And I think about when we used to have fellowship Sundays, and every once in a while the smell of the food would drift far enough down that hall that you're like, would they please get to the closing prayer quickly? You also see if the household's former shrine to Apollo has been desecrated. Better yet, it's been liberated from idols. You walk through an atrium where an evening sun gently falls on you and then a few steps beyond the atrium you enter into a large room where others are sitting. Some lounge on the floor while others are on sofas with pillows. Some, someone, a slave, is fanning what appears to be an important leader. It is the elder who has a small scroll open and he's chatting with somebody about what it says. Outside the room on the veranda are low tables. And some have already taken their seats for dinner. There are flasks of wine and some pots of water and some trays of food, chicken and fish, and some veggies are, and some baked bread. There you sit at table, eating next to a Roman magistrate whom you had not met other than in a legal case some time back. But he doesn't remember you. He does greet you with a handshake and a kiss on the cheek. You also meet a young Jewish man who not only follows the Torah but believes in Jesus. And you observe that he's eating what he calls kosher. Across the room you observe a slave instead of serving others is sitting next to a Roman citizen. And you can tell their different statuses immediately by the clothing that they are wearing. And they're praying together with their hands clasped. The conversation is going wonderful with others around you when someone, the elder, stands up and says a prayer to lead the group into the Lord's Supper. The elder reads from the great apostle who has been to this city some years back. And what he reads about is Jesus' betrayal and death and the resurrection to the throne of God. You hear about bread and body and about wine and blood and then he passes bread and wine around the room. You snap off some bread and eat it and then take a deep gulp of wine. You pass these to the magistrate next to you and the table grows silent. The elder speaks about the cup and announces it is God's love and grace, God's yes for everyone. The elder makes it clear that Roman ways stop at the door and that everyone, men and women, slaves and free, Jews and Greeks and rich and poor are all in one family in Christ. The elder then says, this Passover meal cup is a cup of thanksgiving, and that by drinking from that cup, each person is participating in the death of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah who can liberate the Romans, the people that live around them. And you realize how personal this is to you. He then says that eating the bread means you've just partaken in the body Jesus gave for us, a body that made you one, whether you are 
made you all one, whether you are Jewish or Roman, man or woman, a slave or a Roman citizen. When I read that, it was powerful because of the way it tied the elements together. Acts chapter 2 tells us that eating was at the very core of what the church was. It is interesting when we look at that summary statement from the end, but after Peter's sermon and after the proclamation to become one with Christ in the death, burial, and resurrection of baptism, he lists some things that went on with the church. And equally listed there with them was to breaking of bread. And there aren't many things, you can look at that passage 42 to 46 that, that kind of uh, engage you in what the church was doing. And it's interesting how very little is repeated except that when we come to 46, day by day they spent much time together in the temple. And we've already talked about breaking bread. They broke bread at home and ate food with glad and generous hearts. So to be the fellowship... To apply what Jesus says we need to be about, then we have to be a people who we all say, let's eat. Can you say it with me? Let's eat. It would be my hope and my prayer that everything we do in singing our songs together, in reading from Scripture, in participating in being led in prayer but praying together, even the presentation of the Word of God, would point us toward a time that we say over and over and over again, let's eat, let's eat, let's eat. Because you're pointing to Jesus, and I want to participate with Jesus. Now see, the eating isn't just about a participation in the Lord's Supper. Because when you look at the Bible, almost from the very first page, and definitely all the way through the end of what Scripture reveals for us, it is constantly about people sitting down to eat together. Abraham invites the strangers to sit and eat, and he hears about the birth of a son. It is the Israelites who, in their first really, quote, church service together, will slaughter a lamb and put its bud on the lentils of the house, and within 24, 36 hours, they are out of Egypt and about to cross the Red Sea. They remember that over and over again. And as you read the Old Testament, maybe not as often as we would like, but there are these memories of the Passover. There are memories of the Feast of Tabernacles. There are memories of the Day of Atonement echoing in everything to do. And all of those events are tied around sitting down to eat together. And then the prophets begin to cast a vision. A vision how God is preparing a great banquet. A great banquet that he will attend and invite you to come to. A great banquet where there will be no one will lack for anything and the very best of everything will be served. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And not that we have a dinner at his birth, at least it's not recorded for us. But fairly quickly as Jesus' ministry gets started, we have the wedding feast at Cana. We have Jesus going to the homes of, quote, tax collectors and sinners to eat. We have Jesus going and eating at Mary and Martha's house, where Mary is partaking of the bread of Christ, and Martha is preparing the bread that they will all eat together. He then gets to the end of his ministry. And when you read John, you recognize that John isn't going to tell us the story in detail about the, the Last Supper 
But instead, he wants to add one more dimension and says it is at the meal that Jesus washes their feet and says, I want you to go and do likewise. I want you to serve one another. But I think also included in that statement is that I want you to gather people to a table together. And here it is that the church begins and they understand that one of the key things that they need to do is gather together and break bread together and enjoy food and fellowship together because they're doing what Jesus when he did when he ended his ministry and they're doing what God is going to make a reality when Jesus comes back again. Somebody say, Amen. There are very few things. No, that's not true. There is a long laundry list of things that I miss. But one, very high on the list of, of things that I missed during this quarantine time is our fellowship meals. And, and I love our fellowship meals because even though, I don't know if you know it or not, but I, I have these, these angels that prepare a plate for me um, that, that I get to take home. And, and you get to eat it hot and I get to eat it cold but, or microwaved or whatever you want to call it. But I still get a taste of some of the most wonderful things. I love, there are two or three people who, who always come up and say, now did you try my? And I love it because even though, by the way, if I tried a lot of everything you said I ought to try, I would be larger than I am and I'm not small. But I want, you, have a, you want me to have a taste of what you've prepared and I want to taste, I want to eat, even if we don't sit at the table together, even if we're not face to face, when I partake of what you've prepared, I am, in, I am eating with you and enjoying that time together. And the food is great, but that's not the most wonderful thing. It's actually the devotional that the preacher does at the end. That's the most wonderful thing of the whole, whole thing that goes on. No, it's a little bit like the Mary and Martha story. The food is wonderful, but the people are better. The food fills us up temporarily, but the people the fellowship that we enjoy together. And what I love is that it, it just seems unlike sort of when we come into the auditorium, although I have to say I'm thrown off today. Nisbets are on the wrong side of the room, and, and some of you have moved to the back, and some of you have moved to the front, and all those kinds of things, but uh, it, it gets a little crazy every once in a while. But what I notice is that when we go to the fellowship meal, there's no assigned seating. Somebody say Amen. That everyone has someone come and sit with them. And I particularly love that if a stranger is there, it seems that it just kind of serves as a magnet to attract people. And all are blessed. And all get to partake. And Callan ran off. Where'd Callan? There he is. He was hiding. And Callan gets to go back for as many desserts as he wants to go back for. And Callan says, Yeah, okay. By the way, Callan, I also go back for a bite of many, many different desserts because they're so wonderful. Let's eat. You say, but how can that be connected to the fellowship that represents the gospel? I want to visit two scriptures, and I'm going to do this more quickly than they deserve, but I think I need to make the point the way scripture talks about the point. From Galatians chapter 2. Starting with verse 11, when Cephas, and Cephas is the, 
Roman way of saying Peter's name. It's another way of stating it, but again, we're writing to Galatians. I'm going to write it in the, the, the vernacular of the people there. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. I want you to get how important that meal was to what the church was doing. He didn't say Peter went to church somewhere else. He said Peter ate with. He used to eat with the Gentiles, but after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. Boy, this argument has developed so long for Paul that he has little titles to give to it. That is to say, people who said you had to become Jewish to follow Christ, therefore you were a male, you had to be circumcised so that you could, in the same way that you would be baptized to come to the family of God, you need to be circumcised to be Jewish to come into the family of God. That's the circumcision party. And the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So that even, I think you need to think for a minute how, how this would be a knife in Paul's heart. Barnabas who came to Paul and said, I think you can have a place in the ministry of Christ. And now Paul has to call Barnabas out. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Down to verse 14, but when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before all of them, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, that statement can take a lot of unpacking, but what I want to go back to, I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel. You say, what does my eating have to do with the gospel? And I, and I want to affirm that eating has become a different thing in our day and time. It is seldom shared among broad, larger family groups. And we don't invite people over for, for meals the way that we used to. And I'm not standing up here and trying to say we need to all start having fellowship meals in our homes every day and all that. It's not what I want to push for. But I do think that the company we keep in our lives, both at work and in our leisure and our recreation, but maybe most of all, the company we keep when we are wearing the label of Christ and sitting among God's people, and we choose to cut ourselves off for some reason or another because they don't agree with me on some subject, or I'm not going to sit across from them at a table because, well... They're just a little messier than I want them to be. Or, I'm not going to go sit there because I know that they talk all the time. We need to be people who say the truth of the gospel is going to be revealed in who I'm friends with and who I talk to and who I sit by. And we need to be ready to say that the truth of the gospel is that the gospel is for everyone wherever they come from. truth of the gospel is expressed in how we eat. I want to skip all the way down to the application, David. Jesus' table of fellowship. 
And make no mistakes, we're about to partake, table's not here, we're about to partake of the table that Jesus invites us to, of the bread that he has given and of the blood that he has given, the cup and the, the small little piece of stuff that's in the top of that cup for you. And you might say, what in the world does that have to do with Jesus' table of fellowship? Yet it is his invitation. And it is a powerful encounter with him every single week. But make no mistakes, it's bigger than that. Jesus' table of fellowship needs to be our table of fellowship. And very quickly, three things. Jesus' table of fellowship is more about we than it is about me. We need to be very careful when we start making statements about, I don't like it that way. We need to think about what is good for the whole. And what's particularly pressing, what I love about the more senior people in this church, the more I get to know them, the more I recognize how much they are vested in the idea that church is not just for them, but it instead it is there for the next generation of folks. The fact that we invest so much in our youth group, the fact that we support our kids in so many different ways. There have never been an event that our youth group needs to go on that this church hasn't come up and said, we will take care of anybody that really wants to go. But it's more than that. You see the need for a church that speaks to every generation, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for young people that I meet in this church who respect that the way things happen in the assembly don't need to be just about them. Sometimes it's the way they dress and they choose to dress in a little more formal and more acknowledging of, of the way that typically older generations want us to be dressed up a little more because when they go to school, it's shorts and t-shirts for the most part. I appreciate the way that we want to try to get along. But the minute that it be starts becoming about what I want, and particularly when all the right answers need to start being sourced in me, as opposed to we, then we have left Jesus' table and started sitting with Peter with the circumcision question. Secondly, and I've made this point over and over again, but it has to be a place of inclusion. And once again, I'm thankful for the way I see more senior than me and younger than me. I'm thankful for the way that I see people with many more uh, earthly riches and wealth and people that have a lot less than I do. And I have never seen this church treat people differently because of any of those status. I want us to think about the way we need to work to be inclusive of those who can't be here during this time of quarantine. Are you making a call? Are you writing a card? Are you showing up at the front door and backing off six or eight feet and greeting them? Are we including those who can't find a way and who feel prevented from being here on a regular basis? Because this is not 
if you haven't figured it out already, a short process. We're in this for the long term. And I don't know whether it will be next spring or next summer or next fall or 2022. But we have got to work to include those who can't make it to this assembly. I would also say that when we come to the table of fellowship, we need to look beyond the walls of our own congregation. We need to look to brother and sister congregations in the area. But we also need to look to churches that wear different labels and say we probably have more common with you at the table than what breaks us apart. Finally, Jesus' table of fellowship is a miracle of the Spirit. You say, how in the world do those people love each other so much? It's not because they're good people. It's because the Spirit has filled them and a miracle is going on every day. Amen? How come everybody seems to be included at that place? And the answer is not, well, they're just extra good and sweet, sweet people. It is that the Spirit has filled them and He is doing a miracle. And I want to tell you, That every day that you decide to see the Spirit invade you and do something that's not comfortable or that is kind of breaking down some walls between you and someone else who you think, wow, um, it's going to take a stretch for me to reach that way. Every time you step into that, you are saying yes to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And what I want you to know is that every time you have the opportunity to do that, you are opening up the possibility that the Spirit will send someone to you to open up their life to you in a way that is also a miracle. Because ultimately, the miracle is that Jesus came to live among us in flesh and to eat with us at table. James Dunn, from a book called The Acts of the Apostles, back in the 60s, has this quote. The Spirit transcends human ability. So whatever kindness is in your heart, whatever sense of compassion to another is there, the Spirit transcends that ability and makes it greater. But more importantly, the Spirit transforms human inability. Were it not for the Spirit, were it not for you choosing to be someone who invites the Spirit to inhabit you, then what is our fellowship would be less. And the miracle of our fellowship would not bring glory to God, but just be one more testimony to how broken the world is. So let's eat. Let's eat together, but not just us. Let's eat with Jesus. You're going to eat, and I realize there are some people that break this, but they're basically, human history has sort of encompassed itself in three meals, right? Start the day with a meal, end the day with a meal, usually something in the middle. You may have developed some other pattern, and that's okay, but I'll bet somewhere in there is kind of three bites. If you're on Adkins, you know it's five bites, but, you know, the, the second and third are just kind of combined combined with the middle one. So eating is a regular part of who we are. So Jesus says, let's eat. And I think by that he says, let's live. Let's live together 
Let's rise together. Let's spend the middle of the day together and let's close the day out together. This one little taste. Twelve years and you have the habit of being able to point to a table. He has placed this reminder. And it's not a reminder that, hey, guess where I get to go have supper? It's a reminder that he says, come to my table. If you need to do something today to reaffirm that commitment to Jesus, there are people here that want to help you, pray with you, hear your story, help in any way they can. If you're online and want to get a message to us so that we can start a conversation about how you can begin that living, eating all the time with Jesus. The number is there and you're welcome to send us a message. We will respond. I invite you to come eat together at the table that Christ invites us all to. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing? This is the season for a new anointing. This is the season for a fresh outpouring. That the sons and daughters of the King of Glory may arise and shine. That the sons and daughters of the King of Glory may arise and shine. As we declare, this is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let your glory fill the earth. 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 As we declare, this is the day. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. How beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful the feet that walk the long dusty roads and the hills to the cross. How
fruit of pure life so that others may live. How beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful is the body of Christ and as he sound of good news and the love of the King. How beautiful the hands that serve, the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How Appreciated Alan's words, and, and to me, one of the phrases that kept coming back was, "Man does not live by bread alone." You know, doesn't mean we don't like bread. Doesn't mean we like to get together. But is it the getting together? Is it the relationship that sustains us? So thank you, Alan. A couple of quick words here as we as we get into the Lord's Supper, and that if you're uh, online at home following, it's time to get your uh, your unleavened and your fruit of the vine. And if you're here, it's time to get these. And I want to just use this as an illustration for just a second. These are actually amazing. I mean, we've, we've solved the problem. This is just ingenuity at work. It allows us to come together and, and, and address the whole issue that we've, we've all been dealing with for so, so long with the pandemic. And here it all is in one sanitary, neat little compartment. As amazing as this is, I don't want it to be a metaphor for the Lord's Supper. Bear with me on this. Because the Lord's Supper doesn't just fit in one little neat compartment. The scripture I want to read is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Yet again, out of context, not related to the Lord's Supper, but I think there's, there's a point to be made. I think we're pretty good as a fellowship of, of pausing for just a, a few minutes and to reflect on Christ and his sacrifice. And maybe we're even pretty good at having some real sincere thoughts about his suffering that we remember his life 
and what it was like. And maybe even if we dare, we can even consider, you know, what it was like to have the nails driven in and all the pain that, he's, that he really suffered. And then we imagine the loneliness and the abandonment that it must have been on the cross. And maybe we even pause a few minutes to really understand for just a moment that he could have called the whole thing off. But he didn't. I think we're pretty good at maybe even, as the scripture says, taking a few minutes to examine ourselves. That when we get to the foot of the cross, we never measure up. Never will. That we are saved only by the love and grace of God and the faithfulness of a perfect Savior. I think we're pretty good at that and good for us. But is that it? Do we ever think about these things again other than these few minutes? Does it change us? And let me read the scripture. Starting in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that it, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I suggest to you this morning, let this time of communion change you. That you have a greater sense, not only of Christ who died a cruel and horrible death, but that he is indwelling in each of us. And that we carry that with us even beyond the walls of this church building. That with each passing day, you really do become more transformed. And that you're a whole lot more like him than the world that's around us. Let's pray. Our holy and righteous Father, the creator of the universe and everything in it, we stand before you today and we acknowledge you as God and as creator and the father of the Christ. That, Father, that when it was the right and perfect time, you let Christ come to this earth and live the life that he lived and experience the things that he experienced. And, Father, this morning we pray that as we break of this bread, that we would truly examine ourselves, but that it would be deeper than that, that we would vow to be changed, that as we reflect for a moment on what the sacrifice surely must have been like, that we realize that he is a risen Savior, that this broken body that he went through and experienced death is soon to be raised and is in us. We pray, Father, that each of us this morning 
would take of this in a way that would not bring judgment on ourselves. That you would renew your presence within us this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Would you bow with me again as we pray for the cup? We continue our prayer, our Holy Father. And we do thank you for the love that you have always had from us, even from the beginning. That it was we read your word, we realize that Christ was with you from the beginning. That this wasn't some last minute plan to figure out a way to save those crazy people but that from the beginning you wanted us in pure relationship with you and the only way was to send your perfect son to be that atonement so that we have eternity ahead of us with you. Father, as we drink this cup, help us to not just do so in remembrance of your son, but understand what it means that his blood truly cleanses us of our sin. And then in his, in his blood is that covenant relationship with you. We pray that we would honor that this morning and honor you with our thoughts and what, with what's in our heart. And it's in Christ we pray. Amen. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And for us, that's, that is our tradition. But again, I hearken you to don't let this be the only few moments that you really reflect on what the sacrifice means, that our salvation is only possible because of that. We also use this time uh, traditionally to, to give, and it's, it's a little weird because we don't pass trays and stuff right now, uh, but there's a place at the back that people can, can leave their contribution, and if you're online, there's ways to do that as well. So uh, before you do that, or as a reminder to do that, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, again, not only are you our God and our creator, but that you are the provider and that you have gifted each one of us with such a unique circumstance that wherever we are, whether we are a two-talent person or a ten-talent person, that there is a way to glorify you. There is a pathway and there is a purpose. And Father, you've called each of us to set aside to give back to you for lots of reasons. Maybe the main reason is to remind us that you are the provider and that we give of our first fruits 
as that reminder that even maybe when we don't understand or even maybe when we don't know what the future is, that we trust that you will provide for you have provided generously. And we thank you for that. And we pray that as we give, we would always honor you, not just with a cheerful heart, but to realize that we are not just giving of our money and we're not just helping further the work and the service and the missionaries and the ministries here, but that we are setting aside funds in a way to have an attitude to honor you, to honor you with our lives and with our talents and with our gifts and with how we spend our money. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I want to say thank you for all those who are here in person and those online for joining us and thank you for the the message and Brian thank you for your words uh, for during our communion time um, I want to continue to say thank you to to our family for their giving and uh, during this I would say difficult time um, sometimes you don't realize what you don't have when it's gone and until it's gone and uh, you know, having that closeness and and being with each other and our fellowship meals that we have and and uh, and other things that we do. One thing that we're going to be doing is the trunk or treat. I don't know if they've seen that out yet on there, but it's coming. And so there's a great opportunity to still have social distancing. You can yell at each other across the parking lot, however you want to do it. Um, uh, dress up. Not too much, but some of us don't need to, and we're scary anyway, so we'll just show up. But um, uh, just take those times to fellowship with each other. Also, um, uh, disaster assistance um, is one of our mission fields that we um, stay in contact with. Really, Mike Bumgardner's uh, stuff just kind of, we manage it for him. But uh, right now, <laughs> he sent me a text. He goes, look at this. And there's another storm, and its path is exactly where they're at. So all three of these storms, back to back to back, are all hitting the same area. And, um, and so they're, I'm going to give a small report next Sunday morning, uh, make it pretty quick with some slides to go over the things that Mike has been doing. So if you're interested and you want to hear Jerry or Chad teach the class, who is it, Jerry up? You'll be up, so be Chad. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but we'll but be there for class, and um, I'll be there to give the presentation. Also, do not forget about life groups. Um, just a reminder, um, uh, the Abney Hunter Moore life group, we're going to go by Zoom tonight. So if you're in that life group, be uh, looking for an email uh, coming out. I'll give you some updates. Um, one from Maria Vargas, um, it's a friend of Joanne's, and uh, she's had some other issues that's come up, and we'll have a, um, a biopsy done this next week and some other procedures, and she's really struggling right now, so uh, just keep her in your prayers, and if you have the phone number stuff, contact her, I think would be really, really good. We have others that are listed here, Vernon Garrett, uh, Candy Crest, April Barton, Danny Byes, Sandra Mullins, and Bernice Skinner. Uh, also, Dara Frazier, she spent some time in ER, and um, uh, she's doing somewhat better. 
but still pain. And so um, we're missing, missing her today. Also, Carolyn Hunter, uh, Kevin's mom, um, had a rough go of it moving into the home, but um, has seemed to have an uptick and, and really enjoys watching our service. And so, Carolyn, hi. And, uh, and we love you. And so just um, it's a great thing that her left leg might be waking up a little bit. And so physical therapy and Jameson's there and Jamie's there helping out. Just pray for that family. Also, Mike and Carol Patterson's son, Scott, and, and daughter-in-law, Christy um, Lewis, have come down with the COVID, so they have it, and that's uh, tough, so just want to keep them um, in our prayers. I um, think I have covered everything. It, the list became long and become like a book this morning, so I'm hoping I haven't forgot anything. I did forget one thing. Wednesday night class. Um, uh, our singing class is coming up this uh, next Wednesday. So if many of y'all can come, come in here. Alan's class, they move in here at 7 o'clock. Peter and the youth, they come down here. And then we have a bunch of people that are online. So it's a sing-along. Uh, David has done a really good job in bringing everything together. So we're going to take songs that are out of the scriptures. We're going to read the scriptures, sing the songs. And so it's 30 minutes of just uh, really enjoying fellowship with each other. We got a lot of great input and uh, people that enjoyed it that are not in this area who are, who are watching that. So as many of y'all can come in here and join us at 7 o'clock, you're welcome to come here at 6.30 and, uh, and be in Alan's class or come in here with us here in the singing class. But um, that's coming up this, this uh, next Wednesday. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for this Lord's Day. Thank you for the time we're able to gather here. Uh, it is awesome that we can figure out ways to, uh, to continue to worship you in this time of pandemic and, and stress and that we need to be able to call, look at each other, give each other hugs, and, and just tell you how much we love you. i just like you to uh, remember all those that's on our prayer list. We lift those up to you, and each one of them have their special needs. Go with us as we go through this week and let us be your, your hands and feet for your son and, and let us teach and, and uh, bring others to you and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. There is only one God, there is only one King, there is only one body, that is why we can sing. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. Go with God.